what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pop Culture Podcast. Welcome back to a brand new week. I've got the face light on. I've got the pink light in the background. I've got the vinegar girl skipping. I've got my three rock and roller photos in the background, and uh, and we're ready to go. You're not going to care about any of that based on YouTube views, and I don't care that you don't care because I feel so proud sitting in this room right now and looking at the girl skipping with joy behind me. She's uh, At least she's happy to be here. At least she looks good in the video. At least two of us can be happy with the effort that I'm putting into these videos. I mean, I, I tell you every week and every week you say I'm not interested. Not with your words, just with your actions. I go over to the subscribe account on YouTube. I look at YouTube views and and essentially you've all told me to get stuffed. And and if that's the kind of relationship that we've developed, well, it's, it's my mission now to, to restore your trust in me. It's my mission now to make sure that you and I get along better than this in the future because the truth is... I've got half my lounge room in this room right now for, uh, you know, to remove a little bit of the echo from this podcast. And, and it's just, uh, you know, I've never been good at showing that I'm not playing hard to get. Did that make sense? I've never been good at playing hard to get, is what I'm saying. And and right now, I've, I'd like to acknowledge that within the first minute and 10 seconds of this podcast, I've come out begging for your support, begging for your approval and begging for your subscription to the YouTube video. If you haven't done anything about it, you know who you are. All right, I don't want to start this off uh, in an angry tone, but sometimes you've got to be told. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you've you've just got to get told. And that's what I see in my job here. My, my job here to you is, I don't want you to call me daddy. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I'm not, <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't say that. I'm not going to start this podcast again because you have to learn on your feet. If you're going to start talking, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be, you've got to be ready for the, for the lashback that comes your way. And, and if you've just referred to yourself as daddy to your audience, well, you've got to wear that. Do you know what I mean? You've got to wear that like a pair of, like a pair of leather tights. As a, as a um, I don't know, what would you wear the leather tights at? I don't think there's any need for leather tights. Unless you're a stripper. Even then, I think it's, it's probably inappropriate. Especially at this time of the year because it's... I mean, we're, we're smack bang in summer. I've got every door in this studio closed right now, and it's a lot warmer than, than I would like it to be. I'm not sure that the challenge is to, to make this podcast an hour. Right now, we've been going for two minutes and 43 seconds, and I'm going to be honest, I, I feel like I'm struggling a little bit. If I came into this, COVID, into this studio with COVID, I reckon by the end of it, 15 minutes in, it's going to have melted away. Um, but that's the commitment. I'm committed to you guys. Week in, week out, we kill COVID together in leather pants. You don't know if I'm wearing them. The camera doesn't face that part. It's been a strange week, hasn't it? I mentioned the rock and rollers behind me, and uh, these guys are these guys are legitimate rock and rollers. I think to a white guy, do you know what I mean? I think I'm not a hundred percent sure there's a there's a heap of black folk out there that respect the three men behind me as much as I do, because uh, truthfully, they they had their rock and rollers before before our rock and rollers came and just did their white version of it, didn't they? But it doesn't mean that you can't respect the white version of it. I'm not sure. I'd what is cultural appropriation? I should that's gonna be my that's gonna be my phrase this week. I'm gonna look that up because I'd like to say cultural appropriation in, in this particular sentence right now, but I'm not sure it's it's relevant at all. I feel like I wanna say that uh, that we've stolen the talents of the black artists through the forties, fifties, sixties, and we've made it a white man's sport. You're fooling no one. 
Do you know what I mean? Apart from me. I like these boys. Elvis, we got Bob, we got Johnny. You would know it if you were watching, but if you're still not watching, I wish I didn't tell you who was behind me. It's interesting as well, because the, uh, the rock star scene's changed a little bit the last couple of... Well, I was going to say the last couple of years, but truthfully, only the last couple of weeks. Couple of days. The last 48 hours has been interesting. You see, uh, you see Joe Rogan's causing some trouble in the podcast world. In the world of Spotify, all the old, all the old rock and rollers, the anti-establishment, the the do what you want to do, don't tell me what to do, uh, f you, I won't do what you tell me types are coming out and saying actually, I agree with the government these days. All right, so if you don't do what they say, then you're not going to get to listen to my music that I recorded in the 40s because I'm 112 years old. Did you know this? Neil Young came out the other day and said, look. I'm not going to be on Spotify if Joe Rogan's going to stay on Spotify. I've got an article here to prove it to you because uh, it sounds ridiculous. I, I love Neil Young. I'm a really big fan of Neil Young, and I'm I'm a little bit shattered that this news had to come out of his mouth because now I don't even I don't even want him on Spotify. I'm glad he's gone. What's funny? I'm not sure if they've um I'm not sure if they've actually just like slowly started to remove the episode uh, the the songs from Spotify. But I looked there today. And uh, he's just taken all his shit songs down. <laughs> so I love the I love the hesitancy in the commitment to the cause. He goes, all right, if Rogan stays up here, I'm getting off here. Apart from my real good songs, because that could be a way that you guys meet me. He still had like old man. Um, I'm not. I don't know a lot of. I don't know a lot of Neil Young songs. Honestly, I wasn't born when he was at his prime, which is interesting, isn't it? Because you assume that. Like, it's a sad journey, but it's just the nature of humanity. Every every man has his day. Do you know what I mean? He, he had his 15 minutes of fame. For him, it was probably 30 minutes of fame. But it's well and truly done now, and I can't help but think he's... He seems to be grasping at straws a little bit. Like, I can't imagine that Neil Young's getting 100 million listens a, a month. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. But even if he is, no one's stopping his songs halfway through to advertise their product to you. Surely Rogan's worth too much for, for Spotify to be able to remove. To be able to remove him. How about this? So they've all started to pile on at the moment. I just I can't wait to see how Rogan responds to this because honestly, Neil Young's 137, and then she's wearing a rainbow flag necklace in this picture, which is fine. But I feel like like I'm all for equality. I'm all for gay rights. I'm all for that. But I feel like once you start wearing clothing, is this true? Is this true? What am I? What am I saying? I'm going to stop that sentence right now because I'm not 100 sure where that was going. I'm not even sure I agreed with with what I was about to say, but. It, it tells you about a person, doesn't it? Like, if you see a person with a double mask on, you go, oh, okay, you're, you're probably a fan of Biden. I think I could be completely wrong. This is subjective. There is nothing factual in what I'm saying. I had episode eight of the podcast taken down, so um, so I've got to, I've got to bite my tongue. Uh, the old uh, the speech police are, are onto me. I think I had four views on YouTube. They got a, They sent me a message saying this is inappropriate because you're talking about the 2016 election. I said, hang on a second. I don't know anything about the 2016 election. If I mentioned it, surely look, I, I can feel myself editing what I'm saying right now. It's quite scary, actually. I'm going to stop editing what I'm saying. I don't know what the conversation about the 2016 election was, but I tell you, if there's one person you want to remove from YouTube for their views, it's not me. No one's listening on YouTube. All right? I feel like I've, I've really made that point to start this podcast. All right, that's the last I'm going to mention it. Joni Mitchell, she says, I'm going to join Neil, uh, I'm going to join Neil Young. Joni Mitchell to remove songs from Spotify in solidarity with Neil Young's stance against Joe Rogan's COVID-19 
misinformation. The truth is, she's how old is she? How old is is Joni Mitchell? Let me find this out because this is a it, it is interesting because I think she's out of touch. One sec, I'm just waiting for Optus to load. Good day. Hey Siri, how old is Joni Mitchell? Joni Mitchell is seventy eight years old. See what I mean? Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, they were the rock and rollers back in the day. They were anti-establishment. They were they were the ones who you wanted on your side. They were a little bit, they were counterculture is the way to explain it. It's so strange to see these guys coming out and say, actually, everything I said about the government when I was younger is, is no longer true. Singer-songwriter Joni Mitchell uh, says she will remove her catalogue from Spotify in solidarity with fellow Canadian musical artist Neil Young. Uh, because of their stance against mis misinformation on the streaming service. I love that there's there's no part there. There's no comment from, from these two where they want to talk about rape lyrics. They want to talk about... Uh, I listen to Eminem on a regular basis. Do you know what I mean? They're not making any comments about... Have you heard some of the things he says in his songs? <laughs> They're horrific. But so good. He sounds so good when he says it. Joe Rogan's just having conversations with really interesting people on both sides. He's... He had that Sanjay Gupta. What's his name? He had Sanjay Gupta from CNN. Really interesting conversation. He had Rhonda Patrick. They were both fairly pro-vaccine. I'm pretty sure that they were almost as pro-vaccine as you can get. I think. And now he's in trouble because uh, it's just weird that you can try and block a person because you don't like their opinions, isn't it? It's not even necessarily his opinions. He's just. I think he's just asking questions. Sorry, I just dropped my, I'm going to call it a set list. But it's just things I wanted to talk to you about. I had a couple of things written down. I'm really interested to see how Rogan responds to it. I, I think I know how he's going to do it. He's going to be lovely. He's going to go, uh, he's going to go, you know, man, these guys have got their, they got their right to, to an opinion. I reckon if they came in here and, and sat down, we'd have a great conversation. Neil Young's great, man. Joni Mitchell, she's fantastic. I'd have him on for sure. Man, you know, here's the thing. These guys have, they've got their interest. Like, did you know Neil Young's, he, he's got like a producer which is connected to some other thing which is funded by like a pharmaceutical company. I got, you got to, man, you got to look deeper into this. It's, Neil Young doesn't know what's going on. That's, okay. He's, I know he's not from, I know he's originally not from Alabama, Joe Rogan. And I've, accents is, uh, is, is probably not a strong point of mine, I've just realized. But that's what he would say. He'd go, yeah, we'll have him on the show. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have him on the show. They can ride their little horse into the studio. We'll have them on the show talk about coronavirus and whatever else they want to talk about. As long as they don't try and cast me no more. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really disappointed in... Uh, it's a lot easier to think you can impersonate someone than, than when it comes to the actual impersonation. Maybe he does talk like that. Maybe, uh, you know, there's no evidence that the, the, that the Joe Rogan experience is done in his legitimate voice. Maybe he goes home and... No, he just goes in the dog. Hey, baby, I'm in trouble again. It's a, it, I wish I could start this podcast again, but I'm not going to because we're here together. Anyway, what are your thoughts on this? Joe, Joe Rogan's not getting removed from Spotify, I don't think. My, my favorite thing is all the full-blown lefties are just canceling themselves now. This is my favorite thing about it. It's for a while, for a while, the, the you know, the real extreme left, which for lack of a better term, do you know what I mean? For You know what I mean when I say that. I'm just saying the people who disagree with um, honest and open conversation, like the the real extreme side of this particular view, they're saying, okay, well, you know what? If 
if you allow this to be on here, I'm cancelling myself. I'm no longer going to be on here. <laughs> There's been like a beautiful transition into, we're going to try and cancel YouTube stuff. You know what? I'm just going to cancel myself. I hope Spotify stays strong because every day that Spotify's lift just gets, it just gets more and more refined, more and more impressive, which is fantastic. But, but good on, she's 78 years old. I reckon, I reckon Neil Young would be about the same. Let's find out. As much as I love his music. Hey Siri, how old's Neil Young? Neil Young is seven. He's seventy-six. So him and Joni, they were, they were touring together. It's hard to disagree with you, mate, as well. My mates sometimes have opinions that I, I like disagree with incredibly, and then my mate goes, "Tyus, you know what? Let's do this together." Like, you know what? I, I'm going to do it with you. I back you. I back your judgment. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> there could be a little bit of that going on, but I heard Meghan Markle and uh, and Harry. The, I don't know how legit this is. I'm not 100% sure whether there's any truth in the story that, that Meghan Markle and, and Harry might be uh, might be saying goodbye to the studio, to the to the Spotify studio, but there's been some talk about that. That would just be a dream come true, wouldn't it? No, like, honestly, honestly, and I say this with, with nothing but love in my heart, does anyone really care about what a couple of royals have to say <laughs> about this situation? Since the Queen died, the Queen died. Is she still alive? I'm not, no one knows anymore. Do you know what I mean? I saw that there was an Instagram video a while ago and apparently they superimposed her into, I've been going down too many QAnon rabbit holes. I think that's the problem. Now I'm questioning my own reality. It's just, uh, I'm not sure. Is the Queen still alive? It was her husband who died, wasn't it? No, rest in peace. But I've just never, I've never really felt that much loyalty, that much love. That much interest in the in the world of the royals in any country. I don't care how royal you are or from what country. Uh, if you say you're a royal, I'm I switch off. Do you know what I mean? I, I told you guys about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm I switch off at inappropriate moments. Sometimes, do you ever have that feeling where you're in the middle of a conversation with someone, they get to the end of their sentence and you realise you weren't listening and you have to say something, and you just you, I do this regularly. I'll be in the middle of a conversation with someone. They'll get to the end of their rant in whatever it is that they were talking about because not everything that everyone talks about is interesting, isn't it? In fact, a lot of what people try and talk to me about is very uninteresting, but I try and be a nice guy and I even sometimes try and listen, but the truth is sometimes my brain switches off uh, before I even make the decision and then they'll get to the end of the sentence and they'll say, Tyce, what do you think about that? And I'll say, honestly, can you just, what was the initial part of your, what was the initial part of your sentence? That's my question. That's what I, if you tell me your initial part of your sentence, I'll tell you whether I disagree with it. But you got to be careful when you just, when you're coming into a conversation like that. I remember I had an awkward conversation when I used to be a school teacher. I was in a staff room one day and there was a, a, a casual teacher there. He came up to me and he was, uh, he was telling me his opinions about, I, I don't know what it was, but somehow he started speaking about rape and it was really uncomfortable. It was, it was very awkward. Because he started saying, yeah, you know what, like there's a lot of people who are misunderstood and like some, some of these people aren't actually doing what they think they're doing, blah, blah. And I was like, like, this is, I'm so confused. Are you are you justifying these actions? Are you trying to tell me it's okay? And and then I started to see people come into the staff room around me and, and they started to look at me as though I was actually a part of the conversation. I knew as little about what was going on in that conversation as what they did. But they were looking at me. One lady pulled me aside. She goes, hey, Toss, I just want to have a chat to you. Okay, no worries. She goes, I just, it's really important that we watch what we're speaking about during during lunchtime breaks because when you're speaking about controversial issues like that, you just don't know what other people's experiences are. I said, look, I have no idea. I wasn't speaking. I just happened to be being spoken at. 
Like, that's unfair, isn't it? If you're being spoken at and you're starting to be accused of, of doing the wrong thing or having the wrong opinion, that's... That's not fair. I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, making sure that you're respectful and, um, you know, you show love and respect to, to everyone. That's my thing. I want to show love and respect to everyone. But it's awkward if you get blamed for someone else's opinion. That's uncomfortable. I wonder how, I reckon there'd be a lot of people in my life that feel that way because I, I sometimes tiptoe on the edge of inappropriate. I would love to know how many people I've had a conversation with where, I'm relatively comfortable with the content that we're talking about. My wife always says, babe, you've got a loud voice. you just got to be careful with that. Like, you just got to be careful with how loud you're speaking. Because if you keep speaking at that, at, that, uh, at that volume and about the content that you were talking about, do you know what I mean? You can't be talking about putting a finger in a dog's asshole just because it was attacking your mate's dog. Do you know what I mean? It's a shout-out to a true fan on here. You know, my only OnlyFans subscriber, D-Dub. You know what I mean? I was just riffing, and I know... I know he's a fan, so if, if, if his dog pops into my mind midway through a rant on this show, I've got to go with it, and that's where we go. Do you know, I, speaking of D-Dub, I put, a, I put a, a a couple of years ago, he put a photo up of, of his dog on, uh, on Instagram, and he told me a story about how his dog got in a fight with, with another dog at a park, and he had no other option but to run up and put his finger in its ass, not because that actually helped the dog you know, stop the attack, but just because he'd always wanted to do it and thought if there's any excuse to do it, now would be the right time. Because, you know, if your dog's attack, if your dog's getting attacked by another dog, the one right time to put your finger in your dog's ass, if it's something you're curious in, is when no one's looking up that end. Do you know what I mean? Apparently the dog was shocked, half smiled, gave like a little, couple of little blinks. That's what Bruce was like. He didn't care about the rules. Every, he liked to mix things up a bit. That's what I like about those kind of dogs. They, they don't play by the rules. If, 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 you know, if, if they're in the middle of a fight and someone slips a finger in their bum, so be it. But, but Dan, put a, he put a photo up of his dog a while ago and, and I just put a photo of a finger. And somehow his brother misinterpreted that as me calling him a soft cock and, and had a crack at me. Now, his brother, I, he, I think he's my age, but he looks much older. He's much bigger. And he, he's that kind of guy that he could headbutt a brick wall and the brick wall would give up first. Because he's, he's got a solid forehead. You know, he's got a solid forehead and a frame to match. I don't... Anyway, I'm not sure I'm not sure where I was going with that. I'd like to apologise to Bruce. I didn't mean to bring any defamation on the uh, on the Wilson family. But sometimes you've got to talk about these things, especially when they bother you. Especially, you know, if you've had an image of a dog being treated like that in a particular situation, sometimes you've got to get it off your chest. It's been on there for five years, I had to tell you. Felt like I was the culprit. That would be the most embarrassing thing because I have heard that actually. I have heard people speak about, um, you know, the best way to stop a dog attacking another dog is to put your finger in its ass. And I understand desperate times call for desperate measures, but you always have to wonder who was the first guy to try it. <laughs> when you actually think that there was a first guy, and it was a guy, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to lock in it was a guy. Like in what, what was going through his head to think, oh my gosh, I can't get this dog off this other dog. I'm going to have to put my finger in his asshole. Imagine how confused both, imagine how confused both the dog and he was. And when it worked, I reckon that's what it is. The dog looked at the owner and got, oh my gosh, honestly, Michael, I didn't expect that. I know we get on well, but I didn't quite think we were at that kind of level of friendship. I haven't even done that with my close friends. Some close friends do it. I was talking to a comedian here in Melbourne the other day. We went to the comics lounge and he's a straight man. He's in a relationship with a beautiful girl and um, he was doing a joke about about giving a giving another guy a blowjob when he was younger and I thought, oh my gosh. 
Like, I can't believe he's even joking about that. That's not something he would ever do. I can't believe he's even joking about it. And he came and sat down and said, hey, Johnny, funny story. Man, imagine if that was true. He goes, it was true. So I beg your pardon? He goes, yeah. I had a best mate when I was younger and, you know, when we'd been friends for years. He came out and he said, hey, hey, John, I'm in love. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've got that muddled up. I've got that back to the front. He came out and he goes, hey, hey, John, I'm, I'm gay. And John goes, good on you, man. I'm proud of you. And uh, he goes, and I'm in love with you. And John goes, wait, what? That's, that's one step too far, buddy. <laughs> it's uh, only because John's a straight man. That'd be a confronting situation to have. Like, what's the, that's another uh, confusing way to, that's a confusing situation to be in, I think. If my best mate told me that he was gay and that he loved me, I had a mate who was married to a woman for a while. And um, it was actually funny because at his wedding, the, the pastor said to him, the pastor goes, hey, you may kiss your husband, to him. And we thought it was funny because we're like, oh, what a, what a mistake that was. How awkward is that? Two years later, this guy's broken up with his wife because he's on the hunt for a husband. I asked him a couple of questions about just about gay life in general because I know nothing about it. I know nothing about it. Like, a, very little. Like, it was enlightening to hear from him. He told me some stories that I wish I hadn't asked. If you're a gay man out there, I had no idea the, the many uses of a pump bottle. I always thought pump was just a fancy way to stay hydrated. Apparently not. It's a really good way to clean yourself up, if you know what I mean. There's actually a business for that, though. Like, you can actually... I, I understand that there's different levels that businesses operate, but what, what is that called where you... Uh, uh, is it a caloric? A, where you go in and you get, you get, like, coffee squirted into your asshole. I'm pretty sure. Not with like a water pistol. You're not going up to some some barista going, hey, mate, uh, just a long black, but, mate, don't put it in a cup. Just squirt it straight into my ass, could you? It's not, like, it's not served at a cafe. It's not one of those kind of ones. But I don't know. There's there's certain situations that I just feel uncomfortable being involved in, and, and that's one of them, really. Like, if I was, I understand the health benefits of that. Apparently, it's a really good way uh, just to clean out the the, the inside of, of your intestines. Like if you've got a whole heap of stuff which hasn't quite been digested, it's just sitting on the walls of your intestines, um, your body can't get rid of it. Apparently a really good way to get rid of it is to squirt, you know, to squirt coffee in your ass. I'm not saying in your kitchen, and I'm not saying just do it by yourself because that's an awkward one to get. Make sure you're home alone if you're going to try that. Make sure your wife's not getting home in 15 minutes. I had an awkward moment a while ago. I had like a, I don't, I don't know if it was a, I think it was a hemorrhoid. I think I had a little hemorrhoid, and it was—I didn't know how to fix it, so I was—I was rubbing all different things on it. Um, tea tree oil was one that just stung. Coconut oil was another, seemed to help a little. But I remember one day, my—my—it was about 14 months at the time. My little boy walked into the uh, into the bathroom. I had a finger on my asshole, and there was just—I <laughs> know—he's not young enough to fully understand the. Um, like you can't explain to him what's going on in that situation. All it is is a visual. All he's stuck with is what's dad doing. I don't know how to, yeah. Because apparently childhood trauma is a, 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 like a legitimate thing. Apparently kids who, like they're exposed to difficult situations, have trouble sort of, um, you have trouble processing it if you're not careful. I, I just want to be careful not to get too caught too many times like that in the in the future. Because if I'm, if I'm caught one too many times, you know, with my pants around my ankles, you know, with a finger, a finger on my, you know, we don't need to get graphic. 
Like, how do you how do you build a proper relationship with your son like that? It's not something that they should be exposed. I'm a big fan of exposing them to difficult situations, but I think there should be a line. I think there should be a line. I'm I'm more than happy for my for my little boy to go down to the beach and go in the water slightly deeper than he should be because you want him to become resilient. You want him to be exposed to some difficulties, some obstacles. But when you're at the ocean and he falls over and gets a fright, gets back up, gets resilient, it's a very different situation to exposing him to you with a finger on your asshole trying to fix their hemorrhoid when you can't explain to him what it is. I remember he looked at me and just walked straight out of the bathroom. I said, wait, I can explain. My boy, don't tell your mum. There's a lot of things that happen like that when you have a kid. Not not like that specifically, but I mean, there's just, you've just, there's never been a situation like that where, to be honest though, I think if my wife walked into a bar, it's just a humbling situation to be in, isn't it? Especially for a I can't even poo in front of my wife. I get nervous. If I go into the toilet, I have to lock the door because I don't want her coming in because I, I, I seize up a little bit. I go, sweetie, I know you're trying to brush your teeth, but it just doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel right that as you're trying to brush your teeth, I'm trying to do a poo. I don't think that's good for either of us. She goes, babe, you're, you're overthinking it. I said, well, maybe I am, but I'd like you to leave the bathroom. So, yeah. Some things you should keep to yourself, and that was one of those stories that... But I trust you guys, you know, you're not going to go tell your friend that I was caught with a finger in my ass by my son. I just don't want my son to get to 15 years old and go, Dad, i got this really weird memory of, were you fingering your asshole? I got, it, was, it wasn't fingering my asshole, son. I was fixing it. It was a medical condition. I was a medical. He said, Dad, there was no, there was no creams, there was no ointments. Why were you rubbing him with a carrot? <laughs> no, that's, that's ridiculous. I wasn't rubbing it in with a carrot. Oh, man, what a dumb thing to say. Oh, man. Anyway, I hope this lighting is doing me favors because I've told you a couple of times, the last couple of weeks I've been confused as being older. And this is something I'm really having difficulty trying to navigate. And the reason is my whole life, I think I've become, I've become used to the idea of a lot of people, my whole life, people have assumed I'm younger. And when I was younger, it was annoying. Now I'm almost 35. I want people to be thinking that I'm younger. I've been confused more than once now as a as late 30s, early 40s. I'm 34 years old. I thought this ocean air, honestly, I thought this ocean air was going to help me look younger. I thought my meditation routine was younger. I had Libby Ranger on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. She was all about the brain-body connection. She was explaining to me that she genuinely believes that if if you meditate on a regular basis it's healthy for your skin i read i meditate on a on a fairly regular basis and i've got i've got wrinkles that are too deep for a 35 year old and i'm not even 35 the other day john Dorr, the, the i shouldn't drop his name do you know what i mean well he he speaks about it on stage he's the same guy who spoke about giving his best mate a blow job um he's 42 years old and he got off stage the other day and he goes i wonder what it is that cuz we're often confused as each other so many people, and he's a good-looking man, so I take that as a compliment. But so many people come up to me and they're like, hey, Johnny. I go, mate, it's... And he said to me the other day, he goes, Toss, you know what I think it is? I think it's because we're both older in the comedy scene. Like, we're around the same age. He goes, how old are you? I said, uh, I said, mate, I'm 34 years old. You're, eight, you're nearly a decade older than me, truthfully. Well, you're seven years. You're seven years. You're, you're a lucky number of years ahead of me in, in the age department. And he goes, yeah, that sucks for you. I said, do you think I'm good looking, Johnny? He goes, you're okay. He goes, you got some, you got some real serious wrinkles. I remember when I used to be a school teacher. I walked. This is about two years ago now. I walked into a classroom, 
and uh, I was smiling. There was year seven kids. We were having a laugh, having some fun. And I overheard one of the girls in the classroom go, oh my gosh, look how many wrinkles this guy has. I said, wait, I've just met you. What a horrible way to kickstart this friendship. She goes, we're not friends. You're an old man. I said, I beg your pardon. You've got a detention. She said, you can't give me detention for that. I said, I'll do what I want. I'm a teacher. She goes, I'll call the principal. The principal came down and I said, you know what? She's getting a detention. A detention. The principal goes, why is that? I said, she said, I look old. The principal goes, you can't give a detention for that. The girl goes, suck on that, you dickhead. She didn't say that, but it's a dramatic ending to a pretty average story. But it's true. She she told me I looked a lot older. I don't know. This light, I think, is is doing me some favors. I'm, I feel the closer, look at this. The closer I come to that light, yeah, that's where, that is where you want the light, I think. Look at that. That is a, that is good quality visuals. Man, these lights are the best the best investment. I'm trying to make the quality of this thing a little bit better. And there's like each week, I just try and do one little thing different. And I've noticed, I, I wish you could see this spare room that I'm in right now. There are pillows and dunas and sheets and lights and computers everywhere. And the lights, I'm uh, I'm very happy with. I'm very happy with. Do you like the pink behind me? It's like a little bit of a. Uh, honestly, it's got stripper vibes. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. I just noticed then. I feel like I'm at a strip club. Which, I'm a married man, so that's not a place I need to be. But it does have very, I feel like a, a lady called Diamond's about to come out and say it's 50 bucks for a lot. I'm not sure how much they are anymore. The last time I was there was 2006. Then I started going to church, committed to my wife and said, you know what, I can't be getting lap dances. This is, this is not good for marriage. I've never read a, mar a, a marriage book that says one thing you can do for your marriage health is get a lap dance twice a week. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure some marriages have it. I think my wife's auntie and uncle down in Gippsland, they used to be swingers. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's method in the madness. I'm not promoting it. I'm just observing. So I don't want you coming to me in a couple of weeks' time going, hey, I got myself in trouble with my wife. You told me to go to a strip club because it looks like your podcast studio because that's not what I said. Stop misinterpreting it. Start calling you Joni Mitchell. What's that song she had? Why does it always seem to go? You don't know. Is that Joni Mitchell? Hey Siri, who sings, why does it always seem to go? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Sorry about that. Well, it appears I should be sorry. It registered my every word that I said. It was a clear question. Jessie started doing this game with, with my little boy whenever I start to sing. She goes, Daddy's singing and, and Charlie does that, which is offensive. Because she always wanted to be married to a musician. Hey, oh, confession time for you. I um, I was in, I was in the doghouse this morning, and and so I should have been. To tell you this story, I'll rewind the clock. It was, it was the, it was the second time something's happened. It was a massive overreaction. So, um, two thousand and fifteen, I was on the phone to Telstra for a long period of time. Problem wasn't resolved. I hung up, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch my door, and I did. And my hand went straight through the door. My wife came in. She got upset because she was like, I'm just not used to you being like that. You're not a violent person. And I go, oh, no, I don't know. I, personally, I honestly didn't realize I was that strong. Like this gym, gym membership's working. At least we can look on the bright side there. And then today, so I don't know what they're called. It's like a little step up. My little boy likes to stand next to the bench. He'll stand next to the bench. He'll wash the dishes. He'll eat. But it's it's always, it's like a little bit of a risky kind of setup because he, he's a bit of an adventurous kid and often he'll go and stand on this thing and it looks like it's going to topple over and we're like oh be careful Charlie but it's never fallen 
Anyway, I was in my office this morning. I was trying to focus on, on day trading, which didn't go well. What a disgusting hobby that is. And all of a sudden, I heard a massive bang. And then I heard tears of, of Charlie. I heard my wife go, oh my gosh, like what's going on? I came out, picked him up because I'm a controlling husband in situations like that. I think I know better, though I don't know what the best move in that situation would have been. There's a hole in our wall because Charlie's toppled back, banged his head. And in the emotion of it all, I've been frustrated at this stupid step up thing for a long time because I always think, I'm, I always look at it, I go, I've got to get rid of that or I've got to fix that because one day he's going to get hurt. And you hate the feeling of seeing your little man get your little man get hurt. And so I went out there and I picked up this thing and I went into our backyard and we have a patio and I, I just threw it off the patio. It wasn't super powerful, but the thing wasn't put together super well and it just it exploded everywhere into about 14 different parts. And uh, my wife immediately got upset, which she never does. She never cries. She never gets angry at me. And then I was like, oh, no, I've stuffed it. But it's one of those, it was one of those moments where as soon as I had done it, I was like, that was, you got to meditate more. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a few elements of your character that still need to be worked on. You can't be throwing out your baby. Uh, I, was, I was careful enough to go out of his sight. I went out the back. I waited till they were in the lounge room, and then I threw it. But granted, I went to do it when it first happened. My wife said, babe, just control your temper. I know you're upset. I know you're angry. Don't throw it, okay? It's an accident. We've got to be good examples in this situation. We don't want him thinking his parents are just emotional freaks who every time even a small detail, detail goes wrong, uh, you know, they get angry. He might think it's his fault. I said, babe, that's a good point. Then she walked around the corner and I picked it up and smashed it. We're outside, out of sight, but I'm justifying that behavior. I often hear Bill Burr speak about anger issues and I, I don't necessarily have anger issues. I don't think, though this morning I definitely did. So why was that? I think I'm, I'm basically treating you like a Catholic priest, not in the sense that I want you closer to me, but in the sense that I'm confessing, in the pure sense of what a Catholic priest is known for. You know what I mean? I don't want you sending me messages going, "Hey, Tyus, I heard what you said to me about being a Catholic preacher. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to pray with you. <laughs> I'd love to lay hands on you." Okay, hey, come on. If you're a real Catholic priest, you can't be saying stuff like that. Not at the moment. It's a, it's a sensitive time in the Catholic Church. You know, too many, uh, too many priests got confused with the, with the meaning of laying on of hands. All right, so you got to be careful with that. But anyway, my boy's okay. But it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's you gotta be careful because they're so impressionable. You can't just be throwing chairs around your backyard because one thing doesn't go right. You know? As soon as I threw it, the worst part was as soon as it left my hands, Jesse goes, Babe, that was three hundred dollars. I did my best to sprint down and catch it before it hit the ground, but it, honestly, it was an exclamation mark to how ridiculous what I had just done was because as soon as she said the price, I thought, hang on, I thought we got that from Kmart for 25 bucks. I understand it was a an overreaction. Now we all know. Anyway, I um, let me just jump around a little bit because... I want to tell you a story. The other day, so so one of the one of my favorite things to do here. I've got a hat on today because my hair's doing this. I went to it actually it looks quite good. I think the I think the fact I've had the hat on for a while now has actually maybe helped that out. But I went down to the beach the other day. Actually, I wore this hat to comedy a couple of nights ago, and uh, I asked the audience because I'm often confused as a gay guy. I said to these guys, I was like, "Hey, guys, why do you think I'm confused as a gay man?" And I was I was amazed at how many responses there were to that question. Someone yelled out, "It's your shoes." Another guy's like, it's your fashion sense. One guy's like, because you look like a homo. I said, I beg your pardon. You can't use that word anymore. And it was Jesse. It was my wife. No, it was, 
Yeah, okay, mate. Honestly, like I know we're in Ballarat, but you can't be you can't be yelling out that the word homo anymore. It's frowned upon. At least where I live in Point Lonsdale, I'm pretty sure it is. Maybe it's not the average age of resident here in Point Point Lonsdale is like 81 years old. So maybe that word is a. Uh, it actually could be a positive. I'm not sure. It always trips me out when you hear words being used that you can't use anymore. The Dire Straits have a song. Uh, I can't remember which song it was. Um, that little F word has his own jet airplane. That little F word is a millionaire. I hear that and I was like, oh my gosh. I can't believe you guys haven't been cancelled yet. Because Woody Guthrie got cancelled, didn't he? Like he'd been dead for 50 years and I'm pretty sure he got cancelled because of <laughs> the lyrics of some of his songs. I was trying to listen to his um, audio book the other day. It's nothing to do with this. I'm going to maybe get back to it. But I just got sidetracked with, uh, with Wild Swans. And Indian Givers, which is a classic, a classic book. Indian Givers is good if you're looking for a book recommendation. But um, yeah, Woody Guthrie in his autobiography, he's, he's talking about being on a train with a Negro, and I start, I start clenching up because I'm like, oh gee, 2022, you can't be saying that word anymore. But um, anyway, I digress. I went to the beach the other day, and I, you know, when you have this, you know, when you you see a person and you know immediately that this person is. They're interested, at least, in the same kind of things as you are. I saw a guy coming out, and he looked he looked a little bit undernourished. He was very tall, and he was very skinny, but he looked incredibly healthy. His eyes were hot. His eyes were hot. His eyes were clear. <laughs> Maybe I've just asked the question why people think I'm gay. Oh, there's a guy at the beach who came out in his shorts. He was undernourished, but gee, he was hot. <laughs> Do you want to massage your sexy little animal? Is what I, I didn't say that to him, but, I mean, when you've made yourself look like you're, you're back for the other team, you may as well go in, go in full force and... You know, pretend you're swinging for the fence, as they as they say. But this guy came out. We started talking. I was speaking to it was Pat. I think the other guy was Jason. Their wife Lucy, uh, not their wife. It was it was uh, Jason's wife, if that is his real name. And we started talking. And I could tell by by Jason's tattoos that he had some stories to tell. He he had some real trippy tattoos. And at the moment he started talking, they started talking about the you know they were talking about vaccine mandates, and they were explaining that for them. He's a naturopath, and he wasn't going to take it. And he'd seen some interesting, you know, cases come into the uh, come into the naturopath clinic just to to talk to him about some of the after effects of it, which is obviously like incredibly rare. But it was interesting to hear. And um, anyway, he came up to me, and uh, he's like, "Man, like, uh, he's like, what are you doing down here?" I was like, "Oh, dude, I've just done my Wim Hof breathing exercises. I like to go in the water. It's just a great way to start the day." He's like, "Man, me too, hundred percent." Like I and we started like, uh, what do you call it? it? Was a little bit of bro love. Like we started hitting it off a little bit. Anyway, he started uh, he started talking to me about ayahuasca, and I was like, okay, well, this guy's just gone to a, a different level of conversation. And it's one of those awkward ones because there's a certain kind of person where, like, the conversation starts, you feel as though you've got so much in common, which we do. And then he brought up ayahuasca, like I would have tried it. He was speaking about it with confidence, like I knew what he was talking about. And then he said to me, um, "I've just cut my leg. Look at this. I'm not sure what just happened there. I think I picked the top of a mozzie boy." Um, he said to me, he goes, dude, you've obviously tried ayahuasca. And I was like, man, I'm so terrified of that. Like if there's one drug I'm never going to... I I have bad enough dreams sometimes. I go to bed some nights after a stressful day and I wake up and go, you know what? That dream I had was uncomfortable. And the idea of, of being unable... <coughs> excuse me. The idea of being unable to stop a trip terrifies me. And he goes, oh, you've you tried DMT? I was like, dude, I've done absolutely nothing. Do you know what I mean? I had Panadol four years ago when I had a headache. He's like, you're not going to trip on that. I said, yeah, but I crushed it up and snorted it. <laughs> that, that's not even true. I didn't even say that. I was just trying to impress you guys. Which um, my, my most trippy moment, I might have told you guys about this before, was for my 30th birthday, my wife bought me, 
she she bought me two joints, and I had a musician mate who was far more experienced in the world of uh of marijuana use, and we smoked that together. And I went too hard, I think, because I was I'm I'm quite sure it was laced with something because I remember having an appreciation for science. I was sitting in the backyard of uh, of my London accommodation, and I could see these like colourful babies made out of cells just in my head. And I just remember thinking, man, I, I would love to read a science textbook right now because I can see these cells. Like I can actually see cells. I remember saying to Jesse, babe, I can actually see the positive vibes in my mind. She's like, you're a very strange man. It's a very strange thing to say. I said, I appreciate your honesty. But even then, like with marijuana, I remember going to bed and being like, crap, what if I, uh, what if I never come out of this state? What if forever I'm just seeing colorful baby cells in my head? Like surely I'd have a a new depth of knowledge for the uh, the world of science, but it's not a way I want to live my life. And I could barely hold a conversation. So for me, I was starting to get quite paranoid. I was starting to get quite nervous. I was getting quite scared about what the future of my life would look like. And and that was my experience. I told that story, and this guy's like, "Oh yeah, man, maybe you're not ready for ayahuasca yet." He goes, "I uh I drank the uh, I drank the liquid, and about 15 minutes in, I I was seeing through my eyes as though I was an insect." like I was looking at other people as though I was like a praying mantis, which was funny because Pat looked like a praying mantis. He was very tall. He had very long legs. You know, maybe there's maybe there's something there that we don't quite understand. Maybe his next life is, maybe he's in that slow transition to becoming a praying mantis. But the truth, that terrifies me. The eye, like, first of all, a praying mantis's eyes are, are scary. I don't want anything to do with that. But second of all, like the idea of being stuck in a praying mantis's body because because what you believe may as well be real huh it's not what you look at but what you see so if you if you spend the rest of your life thinking you're a praying mantis that can't be great for your confidence be terrible for the local spiders <laughs> imagine that you go in the bathroom to brush your teeth you see a spider on the wall you climb up the wall you grab it you bite its head off your wife is like honestly sweetie yet i know you think you're a praying mantis but you're not just come to bed you know, you wake up, you, you, you suck on your wife's eyeballs or <laughs> whatever. I'm not sure what praying mantises do. They're very aggressive. We used to have them at a, like at one of the schools I, I worked at, they used to have like this praying mantis collection. And I can't remember exactly what it was. I want to say maybe grasshoppers or is that cannibalism to a praying mantis? Because I feel as though they're perhaps from the same scene. But they got vicious. Like you would put... I want to say it was um, something bigger than that. Like, I think they attack birds. Let's, um, let's just have a look. Have you seen those videos as well of the, um, it's like dugongs? Is it a dugong? Which, like, they numb the whole body of a pig and they eat that out. Wait, ready? Praying mantis. Praying mantis attack. Because this is, this is quite intense. Praying man. Okay, well, this one goes, I'm not going to watch this whole thing. Oh, it's got ads and everything as well. Don't worry about it. But praying mantis attack in slow motion. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something I'm I'm super interested in anyway. I mean, it does sort of sound interesting. But anyway, my point is I, uh, I, I hadn't tried ayahuasca. These guys started telling me these stories. And before I left, he goes, mate, I'll give you my number because we do like a local ayahuasca uh, ceremony. I was like, where do you do that? It's like in Carayo, which... Which is not far away from Geelong. It's uh, but it's not known for its sort of cleanliness. It's got a bit of an interesting reputation, does Carayo. And uh, he goes, yeah, we do it. We, when you walk into the house of the people I do it at, you think, oh, I don't feel entirely safe in this particular situation. But uh, he goes, once you once you start drinking, you know, if you're relaxed, 
it's okay. I said, what if you're not relaxed? He goes, oh, dude, you're going to be confronted with your demons. You're going to be dragged through your sins. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously. I'd much rather crush that Panadol and snort it through my ass. <laughs> That's a ridiculous thing to say. Anyway, you can't say inappropriate things like that. Back in the 90s, they didn't care. I remember um, I did this joke for a while on stage where so I used to after school back in the 90s so it was 1992 I was five years old I was in prep there was a big Greek guy that had a milk bar next door to my mum's work and I remember some days I'd go there and like they made fish and chips he had a naked woman tattooed on his arm and he always just looked old and sweaty and he, he definitely didn't look trustworthy he didn't look trustworthy at all but for whatever reason early 90s my mum let me go in there because you know, 80 cents for a bubble bill is quite good value. You get quite a decent amount of chips for $2 in 1991, 92 as well. My dad spent 70 bucks in Queenscliff a couple of weeks ago and we, we only had about, I reckon we had 35 chips, two pieces of fish and a potato cake. It was too expensive. I remember going, mate, back when I was here, back when I was five years old, you wouldn't believe what you got. I could buy your milk bar for bloody 75 bucks back in 1992. Then, mate, just take your fish and chips. We're an expensive place. We, we won the 2012 Best Fish and Chips Award. But the next door neighbors have that same sign. He goes, we're the legitimate owners. You know, trust who you want to trust. You can never trust those signs anyway, can you? Because it's like, um, there's so many ridiculous signs that people have up at there. I saw one in, in Geelong the other day on Paco Street. It said, uh, voted the best view in Geelong, 2017. And I was like, who cares? <laughs> who gives a shit how good your view is? I definitely don't care. I've got no interest in the view. I was a... Uh, my brain just said to speak about the view, the TV show just then. I'm not sure whether I, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, I got I got stuck on on ayahuasca. I heard a story about a bloke who thought he was an orange once as well, which is terrifying. Like the idea of having a bad trip and actually getting stuck into like a neural pathway of believing that you're an orange. Surely you have to go into that with with an element of mental instability. Like not everyone's going into a trip feeling as though they're a, feeling as though they're an orange. But you can see how it happens. You can really see how it happens. Have you guys, have any of you ever tried ayahuasca? Or DMT? DMT, I watched a couple of YouTube videos of some people, um, some people doing DMT, and it was just something that I wasn't overly interested in. It was something that I was, uh, you know, I was a little bit uncertain about. Rightly so. Anyway, the Australian Open finished last night. Rafael Nadal won. Five set epic. I went to bed. I didn't even watch it. Our TV doesn't work at the moment. It's stuck on one channel. And I kind of, I had I had Australian Open fatigue a little bit because because uh, when Novak got kicked out, I was like, come on, he's world number one. Why are we kicking out world number one? We've got to keep world number one here. So it feels to me like a, I want a cross-country race one day because Ryan Yearsley was away. This is year seven back in 1999. And it felt like, yeah, it was great that I won, but everyone knew that if Ryan was there, he would have kicked my ass. I was still going around like I was the king, just doing the uh, doing the champion finger, high five the parents. They were like, sit down, wanker. It's a, it's a year seven race. No one cares. I was just starting to talk a big deal. I thought I was Conor McGregor, you know, when he was famous, not when he was 16 back in 1990. Actually, I think he's younger than me. He would have been like 10. It's weird to think it's Conor McGregor as a 10-year-old. I bet he would have been tough at school. I had a couple of fights. I remember Joseph Sens at school one day came up to me. We weren't even angry at each other. He said to me, hey, you want to fight? I said, yeah, 100%. Because he wanted to fight someone else and that person wasn't around. He's like, I just need a fight. He's like, anyone want to fight me? And there's a couple of pretty girls around. And I was like, I could fight. I'll fight you. I'd never been in a fight in my life. And so we went down to the Oval. Joseph Sens punched me in the head. I was like, oh, I surrender. I surrender. I didn't know we're actually fighting. 
Gee, you punched the shit out of me. What'd you do that for? He goes, oh, sorry, man. I was trying to impress the girls. I was like, I did fire out. Let me punch you. Like, oh, that's not the way fighting works. But anyway, that's how I feel about the um, the Australian Open a little bit. It's like, all right, Nadal won. Well done. I wanted Medvedev to win just because he's a he's an interesting guy. He hadn't had as many titles. Maybe that's the Aussie in me. Maybe that's is that tall poppy syndrome where the where the bloke who always wins, you want to lose. Well, the truth is, I wanted Djokovic to win, so it can't be. Anyway, so it'd be interesting to see. I saw Djokovic gave out a um, gave out apparently gave a, a little a little Instagram shout out. Said, hey, well done. But I can't imagine. That guy must be so fired up right now. So fired up. I can't wait to see if he's ever allowed to play in another tournament again. I hope he can, because he's so good to watch. I've got a new level of respect for him. It's interesting how quickly p- people's opinions of him change, though, isn't it? Like, mine included. Until probably probably three months ago, I listened to a podcast of Novak Djokovic, and I was like, hey, I actually like this guy. Should stop judging him based on the way he acts when he's in the heat of battle in, like, a major championship when there's $5 million on the line. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So where was I going with that? Nadal won. Djokovic. Djokovic. I think. Would he have won? It's hard to say. Like obviously Nadal's a king as well. You can't really call it, can you? I was down at the beach the other day. I walked down there with Charlie, and and at the beach they have um they have these tennis rackets where you can go down and you hit the ball to your dog. Anyway, little Charlie's obsessed with it, and without even thinking, an old couple walked past the other day, and um. They saw him. They're like, "Ah, oh, little tennis star, is he?" I was like, "Yeah, the next Djokovic," and they both were like, "Oh my gosh, I hope not." I was like, "Whoa, what do you mean? First of all, he's worth two hundred and twenty million dollars, which would be beautiful. Second of all, like, he's very good at tennis." Um, what you, you anyway? I don't know. Everything's political, isn't it? Everything's political, which is fine. You don't have to like Djokovic. Um, I don't have to like Nadal, but I do because he's he's gorgeous, and the Spanish accent it just gets me going. The Russian accent doesn't do much for me, but when it's Medvedev. I'm not sure what's Russian. I'm not sure what a Russian word is. I've been watching a um, I watched a couple of good movies this week. I, I watched. Uh, have you guys seen War Dogs? It's got that. It's got Jonah Hill. It's got Bradley Cooper, who's the king. I love Bradley Cooper. My wife does as well, which is always uncomfortable because she always wants to rewind the scene and just freeze it wherever he is. I go, sweetie, just get a poster. I think the old saying is, get a photo that lasts longer. She's like, yeah, no, but I just like the the lead up to that moment where I know he's about to come onto the screen. I go, sweetie, why is it always with his shirt off? She's like, because he's so handsome. I said, do you think we look similar? She's like, you guys couldn't look different. <laughs> so marriage is going good. I'm in the bad books today as well. It should be nice. I'm in the bad books ever since I I threw our, our child's stool off the balcony. So rightly so. She's very forgiving, though. She's very forgiving. But, um, yeah, good movie. 2016 it came out. I'd never heard of it. I think it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Guy Ritchie's got some gangster, some real gangster films. I love The Gentleman. Apparently, who did I hear speaking about this the other day? I think it was Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan was saying that that Guy Ritchie, he he gives the actors who are going to be in his movie the script, but then with the script, he lets the dialogue just run free. So he doesn't have a specific script. He's like, all right, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is where I want it to go. Um, you know, do as you please. And who's that guy? For, it's not P.S. I Love You. I always say it's P.S. I Love it's that show, it's the British actor, and he always played in the rom-coms, and he meets a chick in a bookshop. Is it 12, 12 First Dates or something? 12, uh, not 12 Crazy Nights. That was a, Have you ever seen 12 Crazy Nights? That was the worst movie of all time. Adam Sandler 
sounded like me and my mate, we walked out, we were 15 years old, we, uh, we didn't have 15 bucks to be spending on a movie, and still we walked out, it was that bad. Have a look at the trailer for it, I wonder if it's as bad as we remember, or whether we had just forgotten something. But anyway, this movie, Jonah Hill, he's, uh, he's like a high school, not a high school dropout, but he, he went from high school and started to go on doing these, these amazing things with his, uh, with his career. He went on and, uh, well, I say amazing things, all I'm saying is he made a lot of money through uh, selling firearms to fund a particular war. So I, I guess, like, depending on your, your version of, of what success is, what it looks like specifically, maybe it's not 100% success, but I mean, it's a... Uh, from a financial standpoint, he's he's doing very well. So if you're looking for a movie this week, do that. It was the best thing I've seen since Gyro Dreams of Sushi. Did you? If you haven't watched Gyro Dreams of Sushi, it's a a documentary. I think it came out in maybe 2016 or 2017. A Japanese guy who just committed his whole life. I think it's Gyro Jiro. He commits his whole life to the perfection of creating the the perfect sushi, and. I've got to take a leaf out of his book because he's just, he's committed to one particular scene for his whole life. He wants to go and find the best fish. He wants to find the best rice. He wants to find the best seaweed. Then he wants to find the richest people who can charge this to for like $600. And he does because he's got a reputation now like the Zac Efron's of the world. And I say Zac Efron's of the world just meaning that Hollywood money, that Hollywood money who maybe wants to be seen for, for eating out at, at a place that's quite topical. Um, like he's getting these kind of people in there, and I think it's a maybe a six or a twelve month uh, booking time. Like it's a it's a long it's a long process. But I've never looked at sushi the same way again. I also struggle to put soy sauce on a soy sauce on a on like a sushi roll ever since that documentary because apparently apparently that's a very Melbourne thing to do. It's a very Western thing to do. You're not supposed to you're supposed to just appreciate the flour the flavors. I like to block out the flavors of the raw fish just with a a whole heap of soy sauce. But apparently. Like I'm, I'm missing what is, uh, what is culturally appropriate. So I almost said cultural appropriation again there, but I'm not 100% sure what that is. What else did I have here to talk to you about? Uh, I've talked about that. I've talked about that. I talked about. Oh, did I finish the story about the the bloke at the milk bar? The bloke at the milk bar said one day, "I'll give you." Um, he goes, "Come here." He touched me on the willy on the outside of the pants. I said, "Whoa." Are you allowed to do that? He goes, "Don't tell your mum, but also take a free paddle pop." So I went home. I go, "Mum, I got a, I got a free paddle pop." She goes, how'd you get that? I said, well, the bloke on the, at the shop touched me on the willy. He said, don't tell your mum. She goes, you got a free paddle pop? I go, sure did. She goes, go get me one. <laughs> so I was just, that's not true. My mum would never do that. That She was furious. I actually don't know what the outcome of that was because, I mean, the, the milk bar eventually closed down. And when you're young, like eventually might just mean a couple of months. So maybe that was the end of his career. I'm not sure because mum used to work with a lady called Cheryl and she was a, she's a powerful fo- woman. She didn't take crap from, from anyone. So I reckon maybe they, they got it shut down. Right across the road from Gray Street Primary School. It's now a podiatrist or a, a foot clinic. So if you look at Gray Street Primary School on Gray Street in Trelgan, look across the road, there's a shoe shop now. I got a bubble-o bill for free there one day because a Greek man touched me on the willy on the outside of the pants and told me not to tell my mum. I told my mum. I'm an only child. Mum and I talk about everything. I remember the first time I had sex. I was 19. Don't judge. Late starter. I called mum the next day. I go, hey, mum. Guess what I got done? <laughs> she goes, Tyce, I always wondered whether you'd tell me how'd it go. I was like, very, very quickly. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Very, very, not in terms of time, in terms of the pace that I was operating at. I am a fast mover. We were gone for 45 minutes, but it was like, <laughs> very, very quickly. That's not true. It's not true. I shouldn't even talk about that. I'm a married man now. You shouldn't be reflecting on, on those kind of stories, especially in public. You've got to show respect to your wife. 
Anyway, we all got our stories, don't we? We all got our stories. It's uh, 3.43 p.m. At 5.45, I'm driving down to the city tonight. I've got a, I've got a comedy gig in Brunswick. Going to talk about... Um, I only ever invited my wife to three comedy gigs of mine. The, the first gig she ever came to, I was on stage, and I felt like I was doing really well, and the audience was just so cold. And uh, I was like, these guys don't even want to laugh. Like, I'm ripping this up. They don't even want to be here. I sat down, and the, the silence was just deafening. I sat next to Jessie, and she goes to me, Babe, that was horrific. And the whole audience heard They pissed themselves. They couldn't have laughed harder. It turned out they were desperate to laugh. They just needed something to laugh at. The second time, I um, because when you're on stage, there's like a spotlight in your face, so you can't see exactly who's moving around. Second time she came, I saw a figure get up and leave the room after a minute of me being on stage, came back in with about 30 seconds uh, of me left on stage, and I heard this, vo- this female voice go, oh, my God, this guy's still going. And um, I thought, all right, I'm going to be witty with this because my wife's watching. I said, yeah, that's what my wife says. Anyway, the spotlight shone on this girl's face. It was my wife. And she goes, ah, that's bad timing. Everyone knows that's not true now. I was like, oh, sweetie, that's two from two. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The third time she came, I actually didn't know she was there. I was on stage just talking about how mean she could be sometimes. Talking about how I wish that I could have married her sister. <laughs> or her brother. Just anyone. Anyway, she snuck in that night with her brother. Um, which was, so it's always made, makes family dinners sort of uncomfortable now. Do you know what I mean? You can't make eye contact with your brother-in-law when he knows that things didn't go quite as well with his sister then he might have been in the firing line or her mum her mum and I always got on really well not not legitimately I don't think Leanne's a lovely lady but I I think as a relationship I just don't I don't know that we would work together do you know what I mean it'd be a yeah I just don't think it'd be the perfect perfect relationship I think she's done very well just setting me up with her daughter so I got that gig tonight I got another gig tomorrow I'm gonna go to the comics lounge tomorrow night if anyone wants to Actually, I was going to say if anyone wants to come. I don't know what time I have to get there by, but apparently here's the thing I've learned about the comedy scene. So obviously you're not just you're not just telling funny jokes. You've got to network. You've got to you've got to make yourself known. Apparently, so I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the groundwork. So I'm networking. I'm, I'm going to start now. The next step, I just have to figure out how to get funny. If I can network and get funny, well, you know, the world's your oyster. <laughs> As they say, so I'll go down there tomorrow. It's cool as well because the uh, the comics lounge is interesting. On a Tuesday night, apparently it's a lot of just new comics getting up. Uh, sorry, a lot of experienced comics trying new jokes. So it's interesting just to see, just to see the uh, see the way it goes. Also, really nice to watch new comics bomb. Sorry, I keep saying new comics to watch experienced comics bomb. It gives you confidence. Whenever I bomb at comedy, I always come home and I type in Seinfeld bombing stories or Joe Rogan bombing stories or other funny comedian bombing stories because it just makes me feel as though I'm not all alone. And uh, there's still a chance that, you know, I might be successful in this particular scene. Because <laughs> I tell you, bombing, I, I, I've said for a while bombing's gotten easier, but I've had a couple of bombs lately. Maybe it's not as easy as I thought. Anyway. That's it for the Pop Culture Podcast this week. Really glad a new month starting tomorrow in the trading scene. The day trading world. I wanted to, I wanted to do better than I did this month, but, uh, man... Got to learn to control those emotions. I get all gambly. You know, you got to try and focus on setups and liquidity, news. Got to focus on other little aspects of the, the trading world. I just get excited and go, this is just like roulette. I'll just put heaps of money on there. And then it goes the opposite way. Lands on the wrong number. I go, damn it, why did I fall for that again? So February, it's going to be a new year. I've banned myself tomorrow because I broke my rules today. I just have to watch it like a little loser tomorrow. And uh, 
Anyway, got another guest coming on the podcast later in the week. Hopefully. I've got two lined up. Just a matter of uh, whether we can organize it or not. Thanks for being here, guys. Much love to you. Give yourself a kiss from me. Give yourself a cuddle from me. And uh, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>